You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiance, and her boyfriend walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Josh. He's got a fucked up story about being abused as a pastor. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode is going to be Positively Terrible. Hey, Scott. Dan, what's going on, man? Man, uh, I'm feeling pretty good this morning, all things considered. How are you? I bet you are. I, I, I bet you are. Last night was an interesting night for uh, the the Positively Terrible crew. But uh, before I say anything about that, I'm just impressed you got through the read of the intro on the first time the, this week, Dan. First really try, baby. <laughs> we did it. You looked. You looked and sounded great doing it, though. So, so great job. But yeah, last night uh, we were. I'd say I'd say last night. Last night was a culmination of sorts. This is we did a thing (laughs) that I've wanted to do for twenty years. (laughs) Twenty years. I'm forty three now, and I've wanted to see this band since I was seventeen. And Scott, you were there for it. Tell me. Let's tell me. Tell me what you thought. Well, so Josh, uh, in some of her earlier episodes, this, there, there's another reason this is a milestone. In some of the earlier episodes, uh, you won't believe that the insane clown posse came up kind of accidentally, but often. And, and regularly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it, it was, you know, we we're still learning how to do this and have episodes that we've never released because we didn't know what the hell this show was. And because I was going through my divorce, we didn't, you know, my lawyer advised against getting started on the actual podcast, but we talked a lot of ICP. It became a thing for a bit. And, uh, we, well, we would ask all our guests if they liked ICP, what their opinions are. So I didn't know that the actual way to ask that question though, is Josh, are you down with the clown? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, I don't know overly much about ICP. I, appreciated seeing them in uh, one of my favorite shows workaholics they go okay. to uh <laughs> they go to one of like the juggalo conventions uh but i do know the song homies by insane clown posse uh and that's that's a good one i i enjoy that song <laughs> all right uh, I, I don't know answer. that song I, I i don't really know any icp but uh for some reason they're very relevant uh at times and dan uh well, just I, I want to know. I my my take on it was I saw a lot of people having a lot of fun, and I saw a lot of wasted fago. I could not believe <laughs> that part of the act is to they had like six people whose sole job was to come on stage and spray fago on the crowd while and, dancing. They had two while jobs. dancing while dancing in in a gold like I don't know. It was it was pretty interesting. So uh, you're the one who's been waiting 20 plus years for this day. And I want to know, uh, are, are you still down with the clown? Uh, till I'm dead in the ground, Scott. <laughs> I think you're downer with the, clown. <laughs> I, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, one day we can talk about the merits of ICP and why everybody listening <laughs> should at least not hate them completely. Um, okay. But, Man, that band is punk as fuck, and they have DIY'd everything in their 30-plus year career, and they yeah. cannot be denied a seat at the punk rock table any longer, and it was nice to see them at Riot Fest. <laughs> well, and Dan has spoken, and the one thing that I will say is I've never seen uh, Dan giggle the way he giggled <laughs> last night. Just every once in a while, you, you could hear it. And I was like, I was just sat, standing there uh, next to Nassim, who is also a former guest of the show. And uh, I would just kind of look over at Dan. And I think there's some video that Dan doesn't know exists yet. But you're getting really excited. Uh, and Nassim took some video. So uh, the, that hopefully we'll, we'll get approval on uh, sharing that on the Instagram, Dan. I, I, we won't 
we won't share it without your express written consent. But anyway, Josh is here. Josh, we're talking a lot. We're we're keeping you waiting. Josh, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for uh, reaching out to us. Always, always exciting when we get an email from someone uh, un- <laughs> unsolicited that says, "I like the show. I want to be on it." So, Josh, yes, thank uh, you for that. In, in in a sentence or two, can you kind of tell the uh, audience what you are here to talk about today and why? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, during my almost six years. Uh, as a pastor, I experienced some pretty crazy abuse at the hands of other pastors uh, that ultimately led to uh, some pretty serious depression and me leaving vocational ministry. All right. So that is a new topic for us today. Uh, unlike anything I think that we've talked about in the past, but I'm really excited to talk to you today. Uh, I think that, you know, in, in a brief email exchange, I said that I've been very fascinated with with religion and deconstructing and all those things that I've, I've see has been more common these days from uh, the church. And I really want to kind of get your perspective on it. Cause I think you've got a kind of a cool twist on that story um, given where, where you're at today. So let, let, let's talk a, a little bit. Um, you, you went into uh is is it proper to say went into the ministry? Honestly, I, I'm not someone who was born with religion, so I don't even know how to talk about it sometimes. So uh, no no offense if I say anything wrong, uh, but it, it, it you were in the ministry. Um, wh- how old were you at the time when you went into it? Yeah, so I started in ministry when I was 21 years old. So okay, like wow. fresh out of fresh out of college. <laughs> Okay. I, I worked okay. for a small, uh, what's called a parachurch organization. So it's like not necessarily a church. It's just an organization that happens to be faith-based. That's a nonprofit. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's right. about is, 21. Is, is that something that you always kind of knew your life was heading toward? Uh, I mean, not really. I kind of, I grew up. So I like grew up going to church and stuff. Um, and then, you know, when I was young, uh, like the youth pastor, put a microphone in front of me because <laughs> he thought I was, I as, guess as youth pastors uh, do sometimes, <laughs> right. To use, <laughs> to use the language that the kids are using today. They thought I had enough riz to, uh, get up and <laughs> speak in front of others. Is wait, that, um, wait, is that R-I-Z? What? What's, yeah, what's... R-I-Z? Yeah. Riz, man. It, it, it's short for uh, charisma. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that that's a new word for you guys to, to try to work in, you know, to the to the oh, podcast. I, well, I can feel the riz like <laughs> emanating off of you right now. There we go. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I'm picking up on what that youth pastor was picking up on for sure. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. So, um, yeah, go go ahead. Uh, you had the riz, and yeah, apparently uh, I had the riz in front of you. <laughs> a mic was placed in front of me, and then uh, entering college, I went in as a computer information science major. Um, and left with the degree in graphic design and student ministry. <laughs> so okay. that's the short version of it. And then I right. went right into working for uh, Youth for Christ was the organization. Okay. Are you like the only person with that combination of uh, uh, education, um, the the ministry? I can the, see that coming in real real handy at a Youth for, youth for Christ uh, yeah. organization. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've used my gra- the graphic design stuff a lot, you know, for – T-shirts, you know, flyers, brochures, whatever. I mean, I don't know if you know, but like, like Christian church design stuff tends to not be great. <laughs> uh, oh, I grew up Presbyterian. You know. I I remember. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So try to make them a little bit better, right? Yeah. But, well, at least the Christian rock is always the best rock there is. So, there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I I mean, first of all, uh, I I will say. That as we sit here and the audience can't see you at the moment, you've got your hat on backwards, the long hair, uh, <laughs> looks like some sort of band t-shirt, possibly tattoos. Um, when you started to pursue this, uh, were you, is, is this the look you brought in or, I, I mean, cause it's not the common look that I see <laughs> when, or, or envision when I start thinking of, of, of pastors. Yeah, sure. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't have uh, all the tattoos at the time. Okay. Um, I definitely have much more now, but that 
one thing I can say is I've, I always very much was myself um, uh-huh. in these kind of spaces. And so like working with youth for Christ, for example, you're working with, I was working with students who like didn't really go to church. And so okay. they put people that look like me there because, you know, it's, it's more welcoming or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I mean, I, yeah, I wear yeah, like your vibe skinny says jeans or all over. <laughs> right. I know. Does like, it, I mean, I, I'm well, like hip youth pastor. Like you're yeah, the guy yeah. I'd put up front to. Okay. To, <laughs> yeah. To, I was gonna say, to get the kids in the door. A, there's definitely a King of the Hill episode that implies that this might be the tactic of, of youth ministers. So you went into this straight from college? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, straight from college, which was crazy because YFC, the organization I worked for, mm-hmm. you had to fundraise your salary. So my dumbass thought it'd be a great idea to graduate from college. I got married because that's what young Christian kids do is they get married mm-hmm. right after college. That way you're allowed to have sex. And then <laughs> I started working in a job where I had to fundraise my salary. <laughs> I mean, that's a great business model. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> yes. Scott, I'm going to have you fundraise your salary from uh, uh, this podcast. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know you were the one who made those decisions. That, uh, but I will keep that in mind. I, I think I'm doing, I think I've fundraised every penny that I've made from this podcast so far. <laughs> That's a fact. You know, it's pretty much uh, in the negative. I, I think most podcasters understand how that work, works. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but yeah, so you, you go into it straight from college and just kind of tell me here a little bit about what your experience. I mean, it's, it's obviously it didn't end right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. Start. I mean, if you came in, you're probably pretty optimistic. Uh, first job, you're doing something for a very uh, meaningful thing uh, to you and you start. So you're hired. And what happens from there? Yeah. So the, the time spent at YFC was actually really great. I look back on that time with fondness. It was pretty cool. Uh, you know, the students that I worked with were awesome. Um, I think we had a special kind of tight knit bond because actually when I got hired for that job, the high school that I got assigned to, to like start a club for them experienced mm-hmm. a really crazy tragedy at the very beginning of the school year where three uh, students were, were killed in a car accident. Oh, wow. And so I kind of, <laughs> that's not a great terms for meeting students, but I kind of, that was kind of how this uh, club was formed was it became a place for a lot of the students who were like really close with these three kids to kind of come and just be with each other, right? With no agenda, just kind of hanging out. You know, I ditched the curriculum that that wasn't important at that time. So that was a really special kind of, kind of thing. I, I look back on that with fondness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Do you have a question? It, well, when you said you ditched the curriculum, so what exactly were, I mean, how frequently were you meeting? What was the setting? Yeah, so this this was kind of like a once a week thing. There was okay. a, we met in this <laughs> tiny little building, you know, that we had decked out with like cool lights and like a little stage we built out of like two by fours and plywood. You know, we had big, giant, loud speakers so we could, you know, bump the place out. So, yeah, that, that was kind of the 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 space and, and students would like, you know, drive there or, you know, parents would drop them off or whatever. And we always had food and snacks and that kind of thing. But it's really just like a, a, a cool place to hang out. Yeah. And how big is this organization? Oh, Youth for Christ is massive. All right, yeah, that's I mean, what I thought. They're, yeah, they're a global organization. But I, the little club that I ran, we probably on like when we would do big events, we probably have anywhere between like 50 to 75 students. But typically there was about like 25, 30 like kids that would come in and hang out. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And And so you're just, you're assigned to like, it must be organized like regionally, right? Or something like that. Yep, exactly. And so like I was assigned to a high school. Um, I coached soccer at that high school as like a part of my job, like okay. volunteered to coach. Yeah, so that it's kind of how it works. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you, you, you came in at a, at a very 
difficult time, I'll say. Yeah. You, you started to say that that's not like the, the, the best time to come in and, and meet meet some people. So can you just, just tell us a little bit uh, about that experience then? Yeah, I mean, that was that was difficult in the, the literally the first week of my job i attended a funeral service for three high school boys like that's i mean that <laughs> if that doesn't move people then like that's that's crazy like that was a very difficult experience and on top of that there was kind of there's actually another layer to the story um that friend group of 3 actually used to be a friend group of 4 and one of those uh, four students was actually killed. They were hit by a train uh, f- freshman year of high school. And then this tragedy happened during senior year of high school. So it's kind of this like eerie bookend kind yeah. of thing. So it really shook that that community of students. And um, yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty crazy. I actually attended two different uh, funeral services for these three and um, I mean that made the news. Like they had news cameras there, and it it, yeah, it was it was. I will never forget <laughs> that experience. Just like the pain and anguish that uh, these young people were facing is just. I don't know. It's and it's, it's nice that you could help. Much. <laughs> it, yeah. It's nice that you can help provide a place for them to, you know, feel safe enough to work through some of that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But this is also your first your first week of your first job yeah <laughs> yeah first week first job in in, in the ministries right kind of crazy yeah so i mean talk about being you know diving in head first yeah big time you know it's got to be intimidating but also a, a special opportunity to come mm. in in a time when when you're probably needed most mm. yeah yeah and I'd like again like the the relationships and all that were built they were pretty sweet like there's still students that i talk to today which is nuts now because they're all like graduated college and uh you know you can have a beer with them now which was definitely not uh <laughs> welcomed in the past but sure it's it's hasn't yeah. stopped a lot of youth pastors let's <laughs> be honest <laughs> that is true that is true there are plenty plenty of stories in uh with some kind of crazy yeah i remember uh a youth pastor that i heard about that was kind of local to us. Basically, was giving students alcohol at his house that were underage, and his justification was, "Well, if they're with me, I'm teaching them how to do it properly. So when they go out and do it with their friends, they're good to go." But yeah, make, makes that's perfect a, sense. Very frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would frowned say. Upon. Yeah. So you came in. You, you came in at a very stressful time. Mm-hmm. Developed some relationships. I'm so assuming and. Yeah. What was it like then after, so you, so you get in and you've got this weird time. I'll, I'll just call yeah. it a weird time with, with the students and you settle in a little bit. And, and what's that like when you start to settle in and, and things are starting to, to return to normal? What is your normal day to day like after that? Yeah, no, I mean, normal day to day was, it turned out to be pretty cool. I mean, it's what like a young 21 year old would like to do. I went to like, chick-fil-a and chipotle every day with <laughs> students and hung out you know and did you have to fundraise for the chick-fil-a <laughs> that was part so that came part from like the the organization's budget i had like oh, okay. a credit card that i could use for those kind of things is okay, you had a chick-fil-a yeah. credit card <laughs> not not <laughs> specifically for chick-fil-a but yes i used it for chick-fil-a like, like a true burrito ambassador <laughs> I, yeah, exactly I, I, I was gonna <laughs> i was gonna say i wonder uh what if there's a line item for uh the insane clown posse for fago <laughs> and kind of wondering if there was a chick-fil-a line item on 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 their definitely budget. is They're definitely oh, always <laughs> always 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 yeah so and, you're like and, I was gonna say, Josh, you don't look like a man who's eaten. I mean, Dan and I look like men who have eaten a lot of Chick Fil A. You don't quite have the look that I'd expect if, yeah. if I had a credit. Card. And I've never had a credit card that I could use for fast food either. I did this all on by, by my own. Okay, self self built uh, physique over here. <laughs> so you're hanging out with with the kids, and they're yep. uh, they're all. I mean, you're working at a high school. They're, they're all high school age. I'm assuming then. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah, they're high okay. schoolers and just yeah, dealing with high school stuff. So just, you know, hanging out, you know, talking about sports, playing sports, going to like their different uh sporting events. Yeah. And like I mean, we we would like teaching stuff, like I would like present messages with like Bible stories and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But really what I tried to do that was unique is I I brought in a bunch of my friends to be volunteers. Mm-hmm. And we would each week, instead of me just like getting up and being like, here's a Bible story, one of the one of my like leaders or myself would kind of share like one of our own relevant stories that tied into what we're going to talk about. So like if we were doing we did something with like inside out where we talked about like emotions and feelings. And so when we did anger, like one of my best friends got up and talked about like his dealings with like actual anger issues <laughs> and yeah. you know some coping methods and like this kind of stuff that helped him. So it really try to make it super relational and connected with the students. So I think is part of why that um experience was ultimately so positive. Yeah, it, it was a cool time. I, I, I mean, it sounds incredibly fulfilling. Yeah, it, it very much was. It very much was. Which, like, sometimes I wonder if I would have stayed in that kind of realm of work, because ultimately I left that and became a pastor in a church, uh, which is where shit kind of hits the fan. Mm. But sometimes I wonder to myself, like, if I would have kept just doing that thing, um, if maybe I'd still be doing that kind of work. But also maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. And as a job right out of college, like, how's this pay? Not well. (laughs) So I, yeah, what I had to, like I said, fundraise my salary. So when I was fully funded working, this was in Montgomery County. So that's a pretty expensive place to live. I was making just shy of $40,000 with my fundraising. And what year was this? 2016 2017 okay, okay. Yeah. so so that's not, not a terrible ago. salary for right out of college no at, not, at not terrible at all especially yeah. when you consider like all the chick-fil-a that you're getting right, from the company. <laughs> right. <laughs> on top of yeah yeah but we and we we like had lived we didn't live in montgomery county because we couldn't afford we so i lived outside the county and could drive in but oh that's yeah, right you're cool. married too at the time i am so we did have a dual income uh, my wife and, works in animal welfare, so she's doing that kind of stuff. Cool. And you guys still married? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. We uh, celebrated seven years in July, which is crazy. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. <laughs> so nobody came here to feel about the good part of the story or to hear yeah. about the good part <laughs> of the story. Let's move on to where things get fucked up. Yeah. Fuck them kids. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just... <laughs> I Just actually, kidding. I really <laughs> like that your story isn't about how things got weird or terrible while you were working with kids. I appreciate oh, that. Me a too. Lot. I very much appreciate that as well. <laughs> my, my <laughs> high school youth pastor was convicted for murder a year ago and is currently in prison in Wisconsin. So wow, I, yeah, I've got, I've got some feelings <laughs> about some youth pastors. That is not my story. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, and and and, and Dan, yours has even been conflicted, conflicting at times. And I, I will say that the interesting thing part about that, and and I am not just calling out that Dan sometimes talks fondly of this murderer of <laughs> from his past. He's making a face. It, so, certainly, I, my feelings are conflicting. Yes, yes. But what what I'm saying is, you know, the incredible thing about working in this manner is that you can make an impact on people's lives, it, and mm-hmm. and they're making an impact on your life at the same time. And obviously, Dan, things have changed with your youth pastor, but you had said in the past that your memories of her were were positive. So, oh, without a doubt. <clears throat> But but yeah, we're moving forward then. You you had a nice experience at this high school. You were able to impact kids and have a fulfilling job. And then and then you said you moved on and you said that the ugly stuff happened after you'd moved on. So what what's your next move? How did your time come to an end and why? And then where did you go? Yeah, so my time came came to an end uh just because I ended up resigning my position. Uh because I was offered a job at a church in Boca Raton, Florida. Okay. 
as a essentially a teaching pastor is what they called it. And so I and that was I didn't have to fundraise my salary. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. It was a you know full thing. So my wife and I uh, ended up moving from Maryland, which is where we're from, to mm-hmm. South Florida to start working at this church there in Boca. And very quickly, I mean, it took me maybe two weeks to to realize that I had gotten myself into a not so great situation. Okay. And so that's kind oh. of where things went bad <laughs> was there. I've, I've got one more question about your Maryland experience before we, yeah, sure. we get to Florida. Would you, I mean, okay, so here's my very, very quick assessment of the church. There seems to be, you know, the liberal side of the church that seems super interested in being more Christ-like and accepting people, loving people, and doing good works in his name, generally speaking, and providing a good example of Christ-like activity so that maybe other people can find or see an example of ways to live their life. That seems to be the vast majority of most of my church experience growing up was in a pretty accepting place in a pretty loving place. And then there seems to be kind of a faction of the church that's far more conservative and more focused on punishment and what we can't, can't do and the kinds of people we can't be around. Would you say it, it sounds to me like your Maryland experience fit more into the former version of that? Is that would, it, would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I mean, I think that part of that is because I I definitely myself fall into the more like progressive realm of like theology and Christianity, and so I very much brought that to the club because like youth for christ is not necessarily a progressive christian organization they're very they're like an evangelical parachurch organization so they're that caused issues sometimes uh sure you were too radical yeah at the yeah yeah, yeah. club that's what they get for hiring the guys with the long hair (laughs) right Right. exactly they should have known better when i show up in skinny jeans and uh an edge t-shirt wwe t-shirt they gotta know something like come on (laughs) Yeah, but you did the job. A lot job. of people thought Jesus was a radical. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but In it fact, sounds they like killed it... him for it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you got well, off easy, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I did, luckily. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then you, you right, got off Florida, easy for a time. And then Florida's you a south. different animal. Yeah, Florida sucked. <laughs> i've heard that in a lot of different contexts before yes <laughs> yeah florida florida was wild so I, I was at this church for only eight months um and it was it was eight months too long but during my time there i experienced uh verbal abuse uh spiritual abuse emotional abuse and like borderline physical abuse um Jeez. at the hands of two no, I'm not a I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't officially diagnose people. But mm-hmm. these pastors seem to fit NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. And so it was just it was just a mess, a mess of an experience. Um like yeah, just I mean con- being constantly berated, you know, the kind of like mm-hmm. come into my office, slam the door, finger in your face, literally uh, screaming kind of stuff like you know throwing throwing shit off my desk these kind of things wow so there was that but then and forgive me i'm going to probably jump all over the place here just to kind of give Do some it. snippets of yeah. Yeah, different no, things okay. there was i had a really i still have he's still one of my really good friends uh that i worked with at that church we kind of i think if it wasn't for him things would have ended worse than they did. But the the head pastor would like call my buddy into his office and then be like, Hey, look, this is what I'm going to do to Josh, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to back me up on it. And then he would call me in and then him and my buddy would like, you know, berate me or whatever. And then my friend afterwards, we'd go out to lunch together and he would sit there and cry and apologize to me. Like, because he had a wife and four kids he was trying to support. And if he got fired, then he'd be screwed, right? 
sure. Um, so this kind of like triangulation type stuff uh, happened um, rather frequently. How big is this church? This church started in New York City and had four campuses in New York City um, at the time. They no longer do. And they have one in Boca. And it was kind of a like a revolving door church. They were good at getting people to come, but then people would come and be like, oh, this place is bullshit. And then they would leave. So probably on any given Sunday, you were looking at like maybe 100, 150 people. It wasn't a, okay. a massive, massive church um, by any extent of the imagination. Like we didn't even have, well, they do now, but at the time I worked there, didn't even have our own building. We were bringing stuff in, building out a stage, sound system, everything every week, tear it down, you know, do it again the next week. Okay. So you'd rent a place on the weekends or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, w- I was working like a solid, like s- between 60 and 80 hours a week. Like Saturdays were the only days I had off if there wasn't an event going on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that really took a strain on like the, my relationship with my wife, right? Because I never got to see her. Or like a crazy example, when I got ordained, a whole bunch of my family flew into Florida to support me, right? There was like 15 people there. Awesome. Thanks, guys. But then I couldn't, after church, I wasn't even allowed to go out to lunch with them afterwards. I had to go back to the office and work, you know, for until five o'clock. So real violation of like, no work, no work life balance, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Was, was pretty frequent. Well, and you, you know, you, you threw out a suggested, uh, NPD and <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just sit here and say, regardless of what was going on, it just sounds toxic. Uh, I, I oh, can get, time. you know, it, it, and you know, obviously that's, that's not okay in, in any aspects of your life and in any different career or at all. I mean, we're adults here, right? We're not <laughs> right. waving our fingers in front of people's faces, but when you started then I know you said you're, you'd hop around, but I do have a question about like yeah, yeah. when, at what point was your first kind of thought that, oh shit, this, this might not have been the best move for me. Yeah. That actually came from uh, my wife. Uh, she very quickly noticed and realized like, Hey dude, like you should not be being treated this way. Uh, this is not cool. And mm-hmm. for me, I just, I was, you know, naive and was like, Oh no, this is like just how it is working in the church. Da da da. Um, Cause that's the kind of things I would be told. It's like, Oh no, like this is how every church is. This is just how it happens. Blah, blah, blah. So my wife actually is the one that very quickly was like, yeah, this place is fucked. We should probably, uh, <laughs> probably do something else. Well, well I'm pretty very... good at picking up on that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I'm also pretty good at being like, no, no, this is totally fine. <laughs> Yeah, that was me, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I was made to believe that I was the problem too, right? Like everything yeah. was was put on me. Like, like I mean, like crazy shit. Like they'd be like, and this is where some of like the quote unquote spiritual abuse comes in. They would have, you know, I would have to organize like a, an event, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a car wash, for example, and the car wash was packed the entire time. We had all our volunteers there do their thing, whatever. Afterwards, the pastor was not happy with the amount of people that came to the car wash. Mm-hmm. And he told me that the reason that there wasn't a lot of people that came to the car wash was because I didn't work hard enough and put in the effort for the car wash. And so God did not trust me to run the car wash and have people come to our car wash. <laughs> this is extraordinarily abusive and manipulative theological language, which is, I think, something that maybe people who didn't grow up in the church might not realize the like what is happening there because when your entire worldview is shaped by a specific understanding of the divine or within a specific religion and then you start taking and twisting and manipulating that religion to shame people like that you're crushing someone's entire worldview (laughs) it's not you know what i mean so i I believe that shit i went home and i told my wife like i'm not working hard enough god doesn't trust me well yeah and, you know, your your description of that and what that does to a person's psyche, I think, is really important. And I think that that plays into exactly, you know, what a lot of our uh, LGBT brothers and sisters and, you know, I probably just did. I probably shouldn't even genderize brothers and sisters in that state. Uh, but 
but members of the LGBT community, what they're going through with the church, when you're stuck growing up in the church and you're being judged in a manner that says God doesn't accept what you are, who you are, like that really fucks with your psyche. And that's why so many LGBT youth end up committing suicide because they're stuck in exactly that kind of, you know, psychic situation or or mindset. Thank you. And they don't have a smart, wise, intelligent spouse at home telling them, no, like that's not right. You know, it's a, to just to point out those parallels, please continue. Yeah. And I did have a question. You said your, your wife very quickly, I think was what I heard kind of came to those conclusions. Like how quickly is very quickly. I mean, like within a couple of weeks, like she knew, she knew pretty immediately. Yeah. Like it was, yeah, she, she caught it and she kind of too was even a bit hesitant about like even me taking the job in the first place. Like she had some kind of red flags prior uh, like when they, you know, would we flew out and visited them and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, <laughs> my my marriage has been a long journey of learning that <laughs> Noel often does better than me. <laughs> so I should just listen to her. <laughs> I I know what that feels like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, how long did it take for you then to start? to start buying in to, to what she was saying uh yeah i mean it, it took me a little bit probably like I, like i heard her and i was like okay yeah mm-hmm. um and i and i like experientially i didn't like how i was being treated um but again i was being told that it's me i was the problem right mm-hmm. Ga- kind of gaslit in that that way generally speaking that's a reasonable place to start like if things yeah. aren't going well if you start with the problem what can i change what can i do at least you're starting with like, okay, what what do I I I have control of something and that's me. So that's yeah. not like a stupid place to start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and but really I think what started to kind of really, you know, change my perspective, I guess, was when I started to see how these pastors talked about the people in the congregation behind closed doors. Okay. And would be like, Josh, you cannot have so and so as a greeter. They're old and they're fat and nobody wants to see an old fat person when they come to church. Stuff like that. I'm not kidding. Like that was the thing told to me. <laughs> or um, there was a uh, a gentleman who, so as you can imagine in Florida, um, Spanish was very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a gentleman that volunteered with the kids ministry who was fluent in Spanish. And so I would have him work at the check-in table to help families who would come that Spanish was their preferred language. And I was told that I could not have him at that table because he was a little bit awkward. So like crazy stuff like that, you know, when they're talking shit about these people that literally, if it wasn't for the volunteers, that church wasn't getting set up and tore down on Sundays. Like they were the bread and butter, the unpaid, you know, workers of this dedicating their entire Sunday. So, So those kind of things. But then also they would lie directly to the congregation about stuff. And that was big for me like we had gotten a not a grant but like re re-upped our our deal whatever with the copy machine people with Toshiba <laughs> and because of that they're like oh thanks for your business here's five thousand dollars as like a thank you I'm like oh cool and so instead of just telling the congregation hey Toshiba gave us five thousand dollars that's so nice of them they got on stage and was like hey so we had a anonymous donor come forth last night and say that they want to give us $5,000. But here's the thing. It's a matching gift. And they're only going to give it to us if the church also matches the 5000 And so like that is a, literally a fucking lie. <laughs> Manipulating right. people to give money. And they did that kind of stuff on a regular basis. And I just... My morals were being offended by that time. Their, the theology that they put out was what is commonly called to as like prosperity gospel like health and wealth kind of stuff yeah and i just couldn't i couldn't play that game and again my i developed depression and it was not good (laughs) uh so yeah that was ultimately what pushed me had you had experience with depression before i had not no so did you recognize it as, as depression 
not not at first, but definitely again uh, with the help of my wife, <laughs> she kind of helps me notice these things. And so we would do things together, like on Saturdays, we would go sit on the beach like all day. And I mean, this isn't necessarily a help a healthy coping mechanism, but I would you know get a six pack, go drink it on the beach and sleep <laughs> on Saturdays. And that was kind of like, if I didn't have that, then I, you know, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, that sounds like a pretty reasonable Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so how, how long after starting do, do the thoughts of, of quitting start entering your mind? Yeah. They, I mean, they popped up probably within a couple months of me being there. And then it was just a matter of like, okay, well we're stuck. We're in a different state. All of our family is in Maryland. This is like our source of income. Well, the shoe was working as well, but like we couldn't, you know, lose that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so finding a job was difficult. But ultimately I did. Actually, somebody that uh, Noel had worked with was like, hey, our our church needs a youth pastor. And so that's how I ultimately ended up getting out of that church. But uh, when I did, they basically sat me down and were like, so this is the reason that you're leaving, right? And they dictated why, you know, I was leaving because they knew I I complained, I, you know, whatever. And then they told the congregation, not that I was quitting because the church sucked, but that I was leaving to go be a youth pastor because I felt called to be a youth pastor in a Methodist church because I grew up in a Methodist church. <laughs> so they kind of manipulated the narrative as to why I was leaving. And then I started working in a, a Methodist church that had its own major issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, you eventually left the ministry, right? Yeah, I did. So was this job, uh, was this move over to the Methodist church, was that there's someone else who will pay me, I'm going to take that? Or was it still trying to commit to this career path? Yeah, no, I, I, at the time I was, I, you know, I was not mad at the church, big C church. I was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, I found one church that sucks. Now I'm going to go to another one. And just to like, you know, kind of, you know, speed through and make, you know, make the story short. I ended up working at the Methodist church for about a year and a half, Mm -hmm. which was a lot better, but very unhealthy, toxic staff dynamics that really kind of jacked me up. Ended up moving back to Maryland, took a job at a church in um, here in Maryland and did that for about two years or just shy of two years. And uh, ultimately ended up leaving that during COVID because the damage had been done, so to speak. And also I felt like a fraud because the, as you alluded to earlier, um, used the word deconstruction. I was experiencing my own kind of uh, quote unquote deconstruction. Mm-hmm at the time. And I just, I felt like I couldn't healthily be in a place like trying to lead people or something like that. So ultimately I I ended up leaving. So at at this point, when you're leaving, are you questioning your faith altogether or just, just working in that capacity? A little bit of both, a little bit of both. So I stopped working in that capacity yeah, I mean, I'm a huge theology and philosophy nerd. I mean, I know you mm-hmm. can see one bookshelf behind me, but there's three more <laughs> that are overflowing like that. Uh, and I have stacks to my right, to my left, and in front of me. And I, I have my own, like, I do a theology and philosophy um, podcast. It's good. So I've still... listened to it. Oh, cool. Right on. <laughs> we'll have a link to that in the show notes. What's uh, what's the name of that one? Uh, Rethinking Faith. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Rethinking Faith. So. And that's just kind of been like a very open and honest kind of my story long form of me asking questions and kind of inviting people into that, which I did. Actually, I got a uh, a letter one time after I had left that first church working in the one here in Maryland um, in the mail, in my mailbox. And it was, I opened it up and it was from the head pastor of the church in Florida. <laughs> people had been listening to my podcast. And started asking questions about the church. I never named them. I never used their name, said the church, whatever. But the congregation caught wind and it caused like 
some issues for them. And uh, they sent a threatening letter <laughs> to uh, to me in Maryland. Like, Always the best option when someone is questioning your actions is just right. threaten them. <laughs> so I, I mean, I freaked out. I took it to the head pastor at this church immediately and was like, yo, like, look at this. And his exact words, because he's a, a nice uh, Christian man, were, I hope this guy does something because he can go pound sand. <laughs> And that is strong words from a pastor. Strong words from a pastor. He can go pound sand. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm sure I used a bit more, uh, you know, explicit language when offering this to him. But (laughs) so, and we're we're running so short on time, and and I, you know, there's there's a lot that I wanted to get to. uh, But what I will ask is, I want the final thing about this Florida church, like. What did they say? What were they threatening? I mean, how can they do anything at this point? It, I mean, honestly, they couldn't. It was just kind of like bully tactics. Like, yeah. hey, I'm this, you know, famous, you know, church planter guy. And if you keep talking this way, then I'm essentially he threatened to like ruin me and take me out of ministry. All right. Which in a so weird, ironic went- twist of fate, he did. Right. He's already done that <laughs> like, now. <laughs> he did it. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, it fucking worked. But <laughs> probably not in the way he envisioned. Right. So you did leave. And wh- wh- what was your next move? Where'd, where'd you go? Yeah, I started working in breweries and ultimately became a brewer. And that's how I met Scooter, one of your former guests. Yeah. Uh, it was during my time at Full Tilt, uh, RIP Full Tilt. Yeah. And so that Full Tilt actually was a very meaningful uh, place for me because one particularly nefarious aspect of leaving or getting kicked out of a faith community is that very fact you're, you're losing a community. Uh-huh. And so Full Tilt kind of very much became this community uh, where I found acceptance and loving, you know, love and belonging, uh, where people didn't care that I used to be a pastor or something like that. And I could just be Josh. And we had a lot of fun. You know, we probably consumed more alcohol than is you know, maybe recommended. Sure. Uh, but that that place was was really important for me. I found a lot of healing during my time at, at Full Tilt. Okay. You know, and the the owners shout out to to Nick and Dan. They're fantastic people, and so that that was really, really good for me. So at this point, it's, when when you get into the brewery life, what where are you with your faith? Yeah, so I still you know was doing my podcast. I've continued to do that, but it it kind of wavers. It it depends on on the day, you know. Maybe the most succinct way I could put it is, uh, and I'm borrowing this from from somebody else, but I don't know that I can say that I'm a Christian, but I also don't know that I can say that I'm not. So I still find the uh, story of the Christian tradition very compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, I find the person of Jesus, of Nazareth, the historical person, and like what he stood for, very compelling. And so my definition of faith that I borrow from um, philosopher buddy of mine, Aaron Simmons, uh, faith is risk in a direction. And so for me, my Christian faith is my, I'm risking myself in the direction of these teachings of, you know, Jesus who teaches that, you know, all people are welcome, you know, that stood up for the oppressed, the poor, the widow, the orphan, etc. And so I don't have some kind of like ontological certainty mm-hmm. <laughs> around things tend to have lots of existential crises, but risking myself in the direction of these things ultimately seems to hopefully make me a better person. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the the gist of it. I, I, I like that phrase, risking yourself towards it, that, that I can understand that there's, there's like, again, without being raised with raised in religion, there's a lot that is kind of foreign to me. But I, I do like that phrase. And I, I think what I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is you see a historical man who was a decent fucking human and would very, very, 
very much like for you to do some things that that is what you have your eye on. Like, what can you do to make this a better place? What can I do for people? How can you give yourself to to the world and and leave your mark on it? Make make it a better place. And hmm. you know, uh, maybe I said a lot there, but my point is that I can very much get behind this. Like, you know, do a little good in the fucking world. Be yeah. a decent fucking human, <laughs> right? And when you look at the the gospels and you know, people interpret them in different ways and people use them for good and use them for evil and use them for, for all sorts of things. And in the end, I think, you know, what is the most important thing here? It's it is being a decent fucking human. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least that's my belief. I'm spouting my beliefs. I'm giving. I'm putting a lot of words in your mouth right now, Josh. <laughs> so, so go ahead and correct me on on anything that I said wrong here. No, I, I don't. There's not much to correct. I think um, <laughs> perhaps Jesus might be fond of the decent fucking human being tattoo, you know, <laughs> idea that you guys have thrown around. Uh, <laughs> and if not, Jesus a tattoo, sure as hell would not get that tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing I will not do is try to guess the, what Jesus would do. Okay, that, <laughs> I, that, I, I mean, Ditch you know, if bracelets. I'm given a if I'm given a situation like would Jesus, you know, help this person? I'll, I'll, I'll make a guess there. But would Jesus get it? What would he? What body art would he get? That I'm not. <laughs> I am not guessing that one at all. <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think that's that's kind of dead on. Uh, and I just, yeah, the, the, to kind of, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to go bigger, you know, outside of the the historic person of Jesus, the kind of realm that I find myself thinking in now, theologically and philosophically is called process relational thinking. And it's deeply compelling to me because it, it recognizes the deep interconnectedness of all things and of all people. And so, uh, in a very real sense, what I do to you, I do to myself, you know, when I abuse um, the world, I'm also harming myself and other people, etc. So it recognizes that. But also it, it paints a picture of, of the divine, not as some like angry, pissed off dude in the clouds with a beard and some lightning bolts, but rather as an active presence um, that is present in and through all things at all times, working to bring about the most good beauty and love in the world. Um, and also the, the Christian bit of that, the Jesus bit of that is the idea that like people matter <laughs> in that yeah. picture and that there's, you know, some kind of divine spirit, energy, entity, whatever the fuck you want to call it, that is present in and through our sufferings, uh, that suffers with us as a co-sufferer, not one that causes these things, uh, but rather one that bears them with us. And so that's kind of where I hang my hat now. All right. And hopefully, I don't know, not to get preachy. Hopefully it didn't sound that way, but like, that's just kind of where <laughs> no, I'm at. <laughs> no, I, 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 I loved it. Preachy. And, yeah. Nor do I. And one of my favorite things about these conversations when we have them is we all, you know, we, generally speaking as human beings, we all suffer. Right. And time. the, the suffering the parallels in the suffering are so universal. Like I have stories from my life of, you know, being excited about a new job. It turns out to be a toxic environment, being able to recognize that it's a toxic environment because of the way other people are being treated, not necessarily the way that I'm being treated, moving on, finding other places where like, I actually feel like, uh, I matter and where I've built community and where like, I feel like I'm healing. And surprisingly enough, all of those things happen to me in the brewing industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, it, yeah, from, from you and your pastoral experiences, me and my uh, beer packaging experiences <laughs> and you know, yeah, it's it's this kind of suffering is very universal in the way that we experience it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it, it's amazing 
to me when we talk to people here how not alone we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I yeah. hear, you know, the the only thing I want to add to that, Dan, is that the part that really, you know, it, it it's something that I probably can't relate to, but I can only imagine how the the complexities is that that are added of it being, you know, your faith, your your, your religion. You add that to it. And holy shit, that that to me, that's kind of a mindfuck. It's you get to mm-hmm. where you think your path is being led to and realize that, oh, my, this is not the right path for me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that spiritual or religious dimension is is huge. And that's actually a, a, a new stemming and budding field of research uh, currently is spiritual and religious abuse and trauma, because it's a very, very fucking real thing. And a lot of people experience it, unfortunately. All right. Well, Josh, you've got a lot more to say on this topic. And luckily, <laughs> you've got a podcast where our listeners can hear a lot about it. But we're really, really excited that you were were willing to come on today. Not just willing. You wanted to. You reached out to <laughs> us. So, again, what's what's the name of the podcast and how do listeners find it? Yeah, so it's it's called Rethinking Faith. And you can find it anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. So, you know, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, whatever. It's All it's right. out there. Yeah. All right. Cool. And we will provide some links for Instagram, Facebook, social media, whatever you want. We'll put that. Uh, it, also, the name will be in the show notes. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Josh. I appreciate you being here. Um, this is a pretty... I, I mean, they're all heavy and sensitive topics for people in their lives and, and make us who we are. And I, I'm so glad that you know, you chose the path you did that, you know, you're a decent fucking human. You go in, uh, you see some of the issues and, and you're not willing to turn that blind eye or let yourself get beaten down and say, this is just what it is. And I'm doing this for, for God and for, for my religion and all of that. I, I think you took uh, a, a circuitous path to where you are today. <laughs> I'm glad you are on that path. And I was going to say something about finding, uh, finding, you know what you believe but it sounds like it's it's a journey for your entire life but yes. the 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 way you're going it, it it's something that i can get behind and i appreciate it appreciate you and as always you know i'm we're, we're humbled and grateful that you've been willing to come on here today and and share your story with us i think there are a lot of people who can relate and probably need to hear a little bit more from from Someone like you, especially. I, I know a lot of the deconstruction that I've seen has been people who turn out in the end and don't want to be part of religion anymore or spiritual anymore. Uh, I think that you've got this twist here uh, that I think could help a lot of people. And and I think one of the phrases I heard was love without, I, I can't remember, it was on one of the episodes of your love without being, you know, I, I, Man, you know what? I can't remember, Josh. <laughs> it was a great phrase that I wrote down, and I don't know where that note was. But I, I think that you've got a great story and a great podcast. So, uh, you know, humbled, happy, grateful, love you. Thank you for coming on. Consider the tattoo when Scooter gets his. <laughs> and, as, and as always, Josh, this episode has been absolutely, positively terrible. <laughs> I met you back at Tonica Fest I confess I was nervous and stressed Because I thought you were the best I was right And that night we got into a rotten fight That I won, I shot you in the face It was fate, I offered you a spring You declined, I said, keep it you might Decide to change your mind You did, yeah you did Now I'm good. Thank you.
because of 